And you're listening to 101.9 FM here in Vancouver, CITR, UBC Campus Radio, and the show is Stereoscopic Readout. I'm your host, Darren, and um, we have a special for you today. Um, Over the weekend, I picked up... What's his name? Oh. Hey. Be with you in a second. There we go. Jimmy McDonough's biography of Neil Young entitled Shaky. And I'm not even halfway through it yet. Uh, What are we looking at here? It's about 750 pages. I'm almost halfway through. I've been reading it for two days or so. And it's almost, well, actually, I would say it is. It's pretty much the perfect uh, music biography. Um, And I've read a bunch of them, and this one practically just covers everything I want in a musician's biography. Um, Luckily, he did have tons and tons of access to Neil Young himself, interviewed him very extensively for the book, and interviewed pretty much everybody else that... um, Neil Young would have ever worked with. And I think within the first few pages, you already, if you're not really all that familiar with Neil Young as a, uh, as a personality, you're introduced to a person who is completely different than anything you could have possibly expected as a personality. Um, so with that in mind, tonight's show is a look at the early career of Neil Young spanning 1963 to through to about 1969 um, it's going to be a little bit heavier on his Buffalo Springfield uh, solo and or like early solo before um, before the first uh, Neil Young and Crazy Horse album everybody came out everybody came out everyone everybody knows this is nowhere um, and a few things from the Squires uh, thanks to Neil Young putting out his archives series of box sets and live recordings so as you probably all know neil young born november the 12th 1945 in toronto to scott and rassy young scott young actually i wasn't aware of this uh until a couple of years ago was actually quite um well known in his own right being a writer sports writer um journalist uh has the he actually pissed off the Toronto Maple Leafs so much that the uh, Leafs ownership got him kicked off of Hockey Night in Canada and has written a whole ton of books, including one on Neil Young. But um, his mom and Scott divorced when uh, Neil was a child. Uh, Scott's philandering got the uh, better of that situation, and uh, Rassie Young took Neil to live in Winnipeg while Scott stayed in Toronto with Neil's brother, Bob. Uh, And it was in Winnipeg that 
Neil Young sort of got into um, music, it was sort of like the more that the divorce between his parents progressed, the more he got into music and started a bunch of bands, um, the most salient of which at the time was a band called The Squires. They were sort of mostly into the, how do you put it, prevailing instrumental sound of the shadows, um, something that needs to be explained at about the time. I mean, Canada was more in tune with what was happening in Britain than the U.S. was. So albums like, or bands like the, bands like the, uh, the Shadows would were better known in Canada than they were in America. The Beatles' first recordings were available in Canada long before they were available in America. And certainly Neil Young was, um, or the young Neil Young, was heavily influenced by this. Um, in 1963, they recorded a single at CKRC Studios in Winnipeg. Um, this has since turned into the most valuable Canadian recording out there. I don't know how much it's worth, but we're talking about into the thousands of dollars. This is um, the uh, a single of The Sultan backed with a track called Aurora, and that's what you're going to hear right now. The Squires from 1963 with Neil Young on guitar. Oop, let's stop that for a second. Let's try this again. No. Try turning that track on. Let's try this a third time. There we go.
is off to a good start. Guests are on time. Everyone's out to have fun and to help others fun. What's the matter? Doesn't that sound exciting to you? UBC students have an alternative. Looking to unwind? Check out one of the sub's two licensed establishments. The Pit Pub and Burger Bar is home of the famous Pit Night. Relax with great prices on cold beer and lots of big screen HD TVs or chow down on charbroiled burgers, beer battered fish and chips, and Belgian fries. The pit is open seven days a week and Wednesday through Saturday is open late until 2 a.m. This business is owned and operated by the AMS, your student society. One, two, three, one, two, three. 
has come My sky has lost its sun The harm is done She was the only one There goes my brain There goes what might have been There goes my brain I can understand I'm trying to be a man She was so young Too young to really care I fell in love With her own phone And now my heart Lies empty If she were here I'd long to hold her near But now it's clear The price of love is dear There goes my days There goes what might have been There goes my days In the cool morning rain
Back with you on stereoscopic readouts, look at the early career of Neil Young. So um, off the top, you heard three songs by the Squires. Uh, Neil Young's first quote-unquote real band, um, The Sultan and Aurora being their one and only released single. Uh, released in 1963, as I said earlier, it is the rarest Canadian single, or the most, uh, I wouldn't say rarest, the Canadian single which holds the record for fetching the most money at sale. Not that I have it. Um, it has been released and um, uh, the ongoing project Neil Young's been working on for the past few years is his archives series. So volume one, the box set features all the Squires recordings, a bunch of stuff done with his f- childhood friend Comrie Smith in Toronto, of which you heard uh there goes my babe, but I'm getting ahead of myself there. Um, it's all available now, um, so you don't have to fork out five figures for a uh, Squires single. Uh, so as I said, yes, definitely um, a Shadows influence in uh, The Sultan and Aurora, recorded in Winnipeg in July of 63. And uh, night later on in 64, the Squires would move to Fort William, Ontario, uh, better known nowadays as Thunder Bay, after it amalgamated with another town and had a referendum in 1970 to change its name. A little bit of trivia, I wasn't even aware of that until I read the book. Um, In quote, quote unquote, Thunder Bay... (laughs) In 1964, the Squires would do some more recording. You heard a track called I'll Love You Forever, which was recorded in November of 1964. The Fort William excursion was very important in two respects for Neil Young because he basically hibernated in his hotel room and practiced the guitar uh, for his time there. Um, If you read the book, and in case you missed it earlier, it's called Shaky by Jimmy McDonough. I cannot recommend this book highly enough if you're a music fan and or you know if if you want to find out about the life of neil young get it because it's like it's it's a one-stop resource or as close to it as you're ever going to get for any subject um it's it's a benchmark as far as i'm concerned but i'm not going to gush about that book uh anymore and bore you to death uh, where was I? Yes, he also took to doing strange things with standards, like he would take nursery rhymes and old, uh, you know, campfire songs and completely deconstruct them and rearrange them um, and so forth. Uh, the other important thing that happened during their sojourn in Thunder Bay, a.k.a. Fort William at the time, um, a band called the Ogogo Singers would, uh, from the U.S., pass through, um, featuring one Texan by the name of Stephen Stills on guitar. Neil Young met up with Stills, hung out with him for a bit, and they struck up a friendship, albeit a short-lived one at that point. Um, however, in 65, Neil Young pulled up sticks and moved to Toronto. As I mentioned before, he was born in Toronto. His formative years were spent in the small town of Omimi, Ontario, um, before his parents divorced and his mom took him back to Winnipeg. Uh, But in 65, he found his way back to Toronto, where his father was living, and um, reconnected with a childhood friend by the name of Comrie Smith and after the three Squire songs you heard a demo from a number of tracks 
he recorded with Comrie Smith and you heard There Goes My Babe, which would also be demoed in 1966 by Buffalo Springfield, although it would not be released until the Buffalo Springfield box set came out a few years ago. And that last track you heard in that set was The Mina Birds featuring Bruce Palmer on bass. Uh, Bruce Palmer would later feature in the Buffalo Springfield story, but more importantly, Rick James on vocals. Yes, that Rick James, super freak Rick James. Um, Get high on PCP and do a whole bunch of weird crap, Rick James. Yeah, that guy. Um, Bruce Palmer knew who Neil Young was. The Minor Birds were lacking a guitar player, or were between lead guitar players, and he convinced uh, Neil to join the band. They were signed to Motown, cut an entire album with uh, for Motown until the U.S. military came knocking. Um, apparently, Rick James had gone AWOL from the U.S. Navy, so he was spirited away. And the Minor Birds were no more. Apparently, uh, and this is a bit of an urban legend. Apparently, Neil. Um, Motown pulled the single It's My Time, which you heard there uh, on the day of its release because basically the band couldn't uh, continue. Uh, Bruce Palmer and Neil Young hung around Toronto for a bit longer in 65... Sorry, until March of 66 when him and a couple of lady friends piled into Neil Young's hearse. I think it was a 53 hearse, I'm not sure. Um, and decided they were going to drive to L.A. to try their fortunes there. Um, There is an oft-repeated story, um, which as far as I can ascertain is 100% true, because it's... uh I've heard it from, or I've read about it, read it written from a number of different sources, uh, from Stephen Stills, Neil Young, and Richie Fure, uh, that the band Buffalo Springfield was formed when Neil Young happened uh, to cross paths with Stephen Stills in the middle of a traffic jam on Sunset Boulevard in, um, in Los Angeles, um, Stephen Stills and Richie Fury. Richie Fury were driving in one direction, stuck in traffic, and um, Stephen Stills noticed a black hearse with Ontario license plates approaching them. He said, "I know who that is," and uh, the rest is history. So, Stills, Fury, Palmer, and Neil Young formed Buffalo Springfield with another Canadian, Dewey Martin, on drums in uh, the spring of 1966 and proceeded to tear L.A. up. Um, a lot of residences opening for the Birds, excuse me, <coughs> went on tour with the Birds and would later on, um, in 66, release their debut album, the lead single of which was a new uh, Neil Young composition entitled Nowadays Clancy Can't Even Sing. And this is it on 101.9 FM CITR. Stomping all over my face Where's that silhouette I'm trying to trace Who's putting sponge in the bells I once rung And taking my gypsy before she's begun To sing in the meaning of what's in my mind Before I can take home what's rightfully mine Join in and listening and talking in rhymes Stopping the feet 
happiness thing Who's trying to tune all the bells that he rings And who's in the corner and down on the floor With pencil and paper just counting the score Who's trying to act like he's just in between Your night isn't black if you know it is green Don't bother looking, you're too blind to see Coming home on old 95 Who's got the feeling here to keep me alive Though having it, sharing it Ain't quite the same Ain't a golden nugget You can't lay a claim
the answer to answers that you gave later She did the things that we both did before now But who forgave her? Now you see how down you've fallen Now you hear your conscience call Thank yourself I need her and see her But now you're down Something inside you will tell you I'm wise to what you're spreading around If I could stand to see her crying I would tell her not to care When she hears of all your lying She will join you there Find out that now was the answer To answers that you gave later A selection of... Um Neil Young compositions performed by Buffalo Springfield. Um, nowadays, Clancy Can't Even Sing started that set. That was the Buffalo Springfield's first single. Um, it was a regional hit in Los Angeles, but it didn't come uh, catch on nationally, partly because... Um, uh, Atlantic had or Atco Atlantic had a little bit of trouble uh, marketing a song that actually had the word "damned" in it. Um, on top of that, Neil Young's sort of quirky move into a uh, sort of a th- uh, I, I don't know if it's three four time or six eight time for the chorus was deemed a little bit too quote unquote weird for radio listeners at the time, but it did sort of gain some attention in the Los Angeles area. Um, Their next single was also a Neil Young composition entitled Burned, which completely bombed, and it wasn't until late 1966 um, when... Stephen Stills' classic song, For What It's Worth, uh, written in the wake of the Sunset Strip riots, hit nationally that Buffalo Springfield finally got the attention that uh, they were seeking. Um, After nowadays Clancy can't even sing, you heard Expecting to Fly, which was Neil Young's big um, sort of follow-up to Mr. Soul. Uh, written in the spring of 1966. It was kind of rearranged, ended up on their second album, Buffalo Springfield, again, but it was rearranged in the wake of Sgt. Pepper coming out because eventually, or originally the uh, long sort of string fade-in at the beginning of that song was supposed to be a string fade-out, but after hearing um, Day in the Life, Neil Young decided to rework the entire song. Reworking songs was actually a, a big problem of Neil Young's in the um, Buffalo Springfield years. 
Mr. Soul apparently was uh, recorded once perfectly, um, according to Neil Young, in New York City in early 1966. However, when he got the bed tape or the master tapes back to Los Angeles, he began to tinker. Not that um, Mr. Soul is a bad result. Um, it's just... In retrospect, uh, after surface after a, an acetate of the original mix surfaced, uh, Neil Young phoned up Stephen Stills and uh, apologized, saying that it was in fact uh, Stephen Stills was right. The original uh, version of it should have been released. I don't believe I've heard it. I don't know if it was ever. I don't know if it has actually popped up um, on the archive series or not. But um, that said, Neil Young, um, sorry, Mister Soul has become Neil Young's signature tune. Um, He did even re-record it uh, for the controversial Trans album that came out quite a bit later, Um, sort of re-recorded electronically. And certainly there are a lot of official live versions of it which have popped up. Um, So... Mr. Soul, you heard that off the top. Uh, nowadays, Clancy can't even sing, expecting to fly. And what you, the last thing you heard, there was a demo of a track called Down, 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 which, if it sounds familiar, well, you're right. It would eventually be reworked and uh, released as Broken Arrow on uh, Buffalo Springfield again. What we're going to hear next is a... How do I put it? Track four... What you're going to hear next is a uh, a band version of Down, 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 which wasn't released until the box set came out, and then you're going to actually hear Broken Arrow. Okay, we're rolling. Take four. Find 
the answer to answers that you gave later. a pair of headphones and listening to music just not doing it for you anymore? Then rediscover your love of music by seeing it happen right before your eyes at the Sled Island Independent Music and Arts Festival in Calgary, Alberta. Running from June 22nd to the 25th, you can catch such great acts as Blonde Redhead of Montreal, Twin Shadow, The Ravenettes, and local Vancouver bands No Gold, Teen Days, Dead Ghosts, and Bison BC. With over 200 bands playing, there's something for everyone. For full lineup and tickets, go to www.sledisland.com. Let's pretend we don't exist. Let's pretend we're in Antarctica. Eyelids and ran down the hall. 
father had told him a trip was a fall And don't mention babies at all Did you see him? Did you see
with you on 101.9 FM CITR the show is stereoscopic readout and uh, we're about two thirds of the way through the show's look at Neil Young at the early years 1963 to 1969 so that was a set of um, more of Neil Young with Buffalo Springfield started with um, well started with Broken Arrow Uh, you heard the demo and first group attempt to record a track called Down 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 which was eventually sort of incorporated into the uh, opus that was Broken Arrow Uh, you then heard an unreleased track or an unreleased version by a song which was never released during the uh, Buffalo Springfield tenure uh, Down to the Wire that was a uh, mono version with Stephen Stills singing lead on it there is a version of the song with Neil Young singing and uh, Dr. John on piano which is featured on um, Neil Young's Decade compilation Um, and the last song you heard there was Expecting to Fly from uh, the band's final album last time around with Richie Fure um, on vocals. That kind of illustrates a main bone of contention which uh, eventually kind of tore the band apart. Um, as I mentioned before, Neil Young penned the band's first two singles, Nowadays Clancy Can't Even Sing and Burned, but it wasn't until Stephen Stills wrote um, the seminal track um for what it's worth that the band garnered any sort of commercial um success and unfortunately steven stills took that as a sign that neil young couldn't write um and if he did write he certainly was backing the management of um Charlie Green and Brian Stone's opinion that if Neil Young wrote a song, he should not, he certainly should not be allowed to sing it. Uh, Richie Fury sang lead on Nowadays Clancy Can't Even Sing. And even though Neil Young, um, of course, 
even though the track even though mr soul wouldn't have been anywhere near as good with anybody else singing it um they still took it as a sign that neil young couldn't sing um and personality clashes sort of escalated until the late spring of 1967 when neil young abruptly walked out on the band uh, right before the um, monterey pop festival he based he spent the summer of 1967 hanging out with jack nietzsche and pondering a move to britain but eventually rejoined the band in the late summer of 67 um contributing to the sessions for the second album buffalo springfield again but Things basically went from bad to worse. Bassist Bruce Palmer, um, well, he really liked his drugs <laughs> and was deported from the U.S. twice uh, after uh, basically big drug busts. Uh, the, he was eventually fired and replaced with Jim Messina, but uh, the rot had set in. And after a, a particularly bad tour in later 1967, the band was barely on speaking terms and if in effect last time around was recorded by neil young fury and stills separately using um jim messina and dewey martin as session players essentially no, um, i don't th- think neil young and stills don't even appear on each other's tracks on that album so neil young would basically leave the band for the final time in 1968 the band broke up neil young would continue to shop around songs that he uh, had begun to write during the Buffalo Springfield period. Um, Old Laughing Lady, which appears on his first album, was definitely demoed as a Buffalo Springfield song. But um, through 68 and 69, he wrote tracks, uh, recorded his first album, um, I think he would refer to it later as the greatest album ever overdubbed. Uh, Most of the, you know, apart from drums and a few uh, string parts, to my knowledge, Neil Young recorded the album basically uh, on his own with some uh, session help, but it was piecemealed together. Um, He would later describe the album, the process of making his debut self-titled album as uh, a very lonely experience. And we'll be getting to that soon. But uh, in the meantime, there are a couple of artifacts which have surfaced uh, as part of the Neil Young Archives series. One is a show at Canterbury House in Ann Arbor, Michigan in uh, November 1968 and another one at the Riverboat in Toronto in 1969. We're going to hear some excerpts from these performances starting, uh, well, starting now, actually. You know, uh, I guess I should have some happy songs. That's a new melody. <laughs> I, I, I really don't even know what to sing, you know? Think I, out of my mind? Oh, that's far out. I don't even know anybody here who bought that or heard that album here. That first one. Yeah, I can do that one. That's a weird one. <laughs> Out of my mind, eh? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, the strange thing is about that song. I wrote that song, you know, before we ever, before anything ever happened, you know, like we we just gotten a manager, you know, 
and uh, we really hadn't seen any any scenes, you know, or anything. We just done some tours, but we hadn't had any success at all when I wrote that song. But I had a premonition, you know. And you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the song, but after I said the song was written before any of it happened, and later on we all sat and listened to the record about two years later, and it blew our minds, and then we broke up. audience has to do with what the performer does do you really think that it makes much difference at all I think it does too it makes an incredible amount of difference some people come to a show you know or, or whatever this is and, and expect to see uh, just expect they sit back and, and, and say well uh, here I am man. better be impressing <laughs> I'm pretty hip I'm ready for it and they just sit there and don't do anything. And, and then pretty soon the artist just starts to cry and then he just crumples up and then he fizzles out. <laughs> well, well, I know what I'll do. This is my, uh, this is my dope song. Everybody's supposed to write a dope song, right? You know, there was a time about a year ago when, maybe a year and a half ago, when it became incredibly right. And everybody was sort of, you know, to, to write about dope and have an underlying meaning in the song. And, and uh, all the people knew about it and all the uh, 
whatever the others are didn't know about it. And then they all sort of smiled at each other and felt this big unity. Everybody went out and bought the records. The artists made a lot of bread. Well, this is my song like that. How disillusioned. Ten o'clock show is only going to last ten minutes. I wouldn't bother coming for it. This is a song put out by. Oh yeah, also back there when I when I was talking about all that stuff. You know how all the groups like the Continentals and the Bel Airs and the Jaguars and the Impalas and the Lincolns and the. Zephyrs and the consoles and the Volkswagens <laughs> and the Porsches. I'll change their names to the Chocolate Watch Band or the uh, Incredible Illinois Poof or something like You know what I mean? Or the Canada Goose. It's a good name for a band. Well, this band called Guess Who did this song. They didn't change their name.
Are you interested in radio but not quite sure how to get involved? CITR is the place for you. We are a volunteer-driven campus and community radio station with a variety of volunteer opportunities. Want to become an on-air programmer? Learn about promotions? Maybe become a news or arts reporter? Come learn about all the ways you can become involved at CITR. Volunteer orientations are held on the first Monday of every month at 6.30 p.m. If the first Monday falls on a statutory holiday, the orientation moves to the second Monday. Visit citr.ca for more information.
with you into the final minutes of stereoscopic readouts look at the early career of neil young here on 101.9 fm citr coming up at nine as usual ben and live from thunderbird radio hell um, ogre is in at 11 with funk my life and then pierre shows up at midnight for six hours of oral tentacles so that last set you heard uh Two live tracks, um, the first from Live at Canterbury House, 1968. Um, You heard Out of My Mind, a a Buffalo Springfield song, and and from uh, Live at the Riverboat in Toronto, 1969. Both of those recordings, um, official releases on the Neil Young Archives imprint through Reprise Records. Um, Flying on the Ground is Wrong. And then three songs from his debut album. You heard The Loner, If I Could Have Her Tonight, and I've Loved Her So Long. Uh, Neil Young, not particularly uh, fond of uh, his debut album. Certainly it did, however, cement a an ethic into his and producer David Briggs's mind. David Briggs coining... Um, a verge, a fray, or according a, a saying verging on the keep it simple, stupid philosophy, he would later say, the more you think, the more it stinks, uh, which he would certainly put into full effect him and Neil Young into uh, Neil Young's second solo album recorded with Crazy Horse, the classic Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere. Um, Neil Young would, uh, Neil Young had noticed a band uh sort of which had started uh, how do you put this neil young had sort of come into the sphere of influence of this band uh, the rockets um and he would lift the core of this band ralph molina on drums billy talbot on bass and danny witten on guitar to be his backing band he would rechristen them crazy horse in 1969 and record his second solo album with them and that basically laid down the neil young blueprint or the blueprint for neil young's classic sound um you're going to hear before we're out of here two tracks from this lineup one is from everybody knows this is nowhere the title track and then a 
another song which actually uh, wasn't officially released until 1983 on the uh infamous everybody's rockin album which he recorded for geffen it was one of the two albums trans and everybody's rockin that got neil young sued by geffen for um apparently not sounding enough like neil young but at any rate um i wasn't aware actually that it was uh, quite a it was something of an older tune uh that just sort of sat and sat around for such a long time anyway um leading us out on this edition of Stereoscopic Readout, this is everybody... Oh, I've got to cue this up. Right. This is Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere, Neil Young and Crazy Horse, 1969. <laughs> If you 
Crazy Horse is doing an album alone. We're in, I'm, I'm gonna sort of play guitar and sing background voices, and we're gonna do all their material, which is really something else. This is part of it. It's called Come On Baby, Let's Go Downtown. I'd like to introduce you to the band, and the band to you, Crazy Horse. This is Danny Witten on guitar. From Ypsilanti, Michigan, Billy Talbot on bass. From the Lower East Side, Ralph Molina on drums. Walking alone at night can be scary! Stop right there, student. Why walk alone when you can call SafeWalk? The safety and comfort of everyone on campus is important. That's why we're here. SafeWalk is a free, student-run foot patrol service with two-person co-ed teams that will meet you and accompany you anywhere on campus to make sure you get there safely. Keep an eye out for our bright red reflective jackets and signature foot logo, and let your next walk be with us. What a huge relief! Now I'll never have to worry about the terrors that could happen when walking through such a big campus at night. For a walk, you can call 604-822-5355, use one of our direct line phones located in some of the campus libraries, use one of the big blue phone booths, or even ask campus security to contact us. If you see walkers around campus and you'd like them to accompany you, stop and ask. 